the love of God. What a beautiful hymn to sing. I appreciate Kyle, Sister Irene leading us in that song. I wanted to just note, as before we introduce the sermon text, that the third verse of that hymn, The Love of God, was written by an inmate in a prison, and it was found scribbled on a piece of paper in his cell when they were cleaning up the cell after he had been executed. He wrote that from death row. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. What a blessing. It's how powerful the love of God is. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, the Old Testament. What we have here in Jonah is a love story. It's not the kind of love story that is human. But this kind of love created the greatest revival that this earth has ever known. That's what God did. That's what God's love will do. And he did it, God did, in spite of Jonah. And God does it in spite of us. Oh, how love is so powerful. Would you please stand with me? I want you to stand as we read these three verses from Jonah chapter 4. Actually, as we get to the end of this most familiar story of Jonah. In verse 1 of chapter 4, the Bible says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Would you please be seated? Thank you for listening to God's Word. I want to try to introduce a, a series in the next three Sundays, four including this one, about God's love. And I've entitled it, The Shapes of God's Love. I guess more um, appropriate might be saying the positions of God's love, but I couldn't figure that out because God's love does not ever change. I've got a weather vane on my barn at home that you gave me, Sister Faye, and it has four directions, north, south, east, and west. And I wonder sometime when I see that weather vane that if I could stick right on the top of it, God's love and a big sign. Which would, which would vividly describe the actuality and the truth of God's love because no matter which way the wind blows, 
God's love is there. North, south, east, or west. So I wanted to deal with love and the merits of God's love. Because I'm not sure we know God like we ought to know God. Jonah didn't. (laughs) And he was a great prophet. He was the first prophet to the Gentiles. But I guarantee you, the more we know God, the more we will love God. And so I want to talk about the shapes of God's love. And the first one I want to try to deal with is his upside-down love. You see, salvation is more than just being saved from your sins. Salvation is upside-down love. What God does that is so amazing that we can't deal with is God punishes the innocent and he forgives the sinners. That's what God does. Jesus on the cross was innocent and God punished him because of our sins. How do you feel about that? Well, I want you to know one thing, your sins are forgiven. Because of God's upside down love. And so here in this book of Jonah, if there's ever a a description of God's upside down love, it's right here. (laughs) You see, we notice God said some of the most, through Jonah, God allowed Jonah to say in his anger, some of the truest words about God that could ever be said. When he said in verse 2, and, it, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my own country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish. Why, why did he leave? It wasn't because Jonah was afraid of the Ninevites. No, no. I'm telling you, Jonah was a brave man that would die for Israel. He was not a lukewarm Christian. What what Jonah was angry about is because God saved a people that Jonah hated. That's why Jonah ran. He wasn't afraid of the Ninevites. Notice what he says. I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. That repentance is not to mean that God ever repents. It's It's a figure of speech that God has to use to relate his aloof and and infinite language to finite human being minds like us. In theology, it's called anthropepatism. What what he's saying is, God, let's say, repent, because we don't understand it. We don't understand any other way. But God never repents. He doesn't have to. He does use figures of speech so that humans like us can maybe get a little grasp on it, okay? But enough said about that. So we see here that that God 
love this people that Jonah hated. Now I want to tell you what I know a little bit about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was a people that was a culture that hated everything that God stood for. This city was 60 miles in circumference, 20 miles across. It had walls around it, seven chariots wide. It had libraries and institutions of learning. It was a sophisticated, sin-filled city. And Jonah knew that to deal with Nineveh, if God destroyed Nineveh, then Israel would be okay. And he was, uh, I imagine, just rubbing his hands, you know, when God first told him that God said, go to Nineveh. But then Job, uh, Jonah realized that, wait a minute, God is a merciful, loving God. His upside-down love will forgive those people that I hate. I want you to think about something with me. I thought about this week. Did you know that just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean God doesn't like them? <laughs> you know, we think, well, if I don't like them, then God don't like them. Don't let the devil fool you into that. God has a people in every nation, kindred, and tongue. And obviously, God had a people in Nineveh that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Jonah didn't know that. Neither do we. But because God is loving and he's upside down, he sends Jonah. I don't know why. He could have saved them with angels. He could have wrote the gospel in the sky, but he does it with humans. But here's the deal that I want us to kind of get a hold of if God would help us. He uses us, but he turns us upside down first. See? God will turn your life upside down. And he will shake all the trash out of your life just like I shake out of a barrel I'm about to put water in. Jesus said, you want to find your life? Then lose it. Jesus said, you want to live? Then die. See, we're living with a God that, that has things that to us is upside down. Jesus was going to the cross and his disciples, a couple of them with their mama come out there and say, well, I tell you, when you get to heaven, or you set up your kingdom, they actually thought it was going to be on earth, uh, would you make my son's lip put on one on the right and one on your left? I mean, just like any mama, she wanted the best for her boys. But Jesus said, in Matthew 20 is where you find this. It's not going to be like this. That's how the world operates. But he says, my world is upside down. And he goes on to explain, if you want to be great, then you got to be a servant. 
God's kingdom is like an upside down pyramid. Christ holds us all up. So we see this and we see God's upside down love. I want to try to say three things about God's upside down love. Next week I'm going to deal with his inside out love. And I'm going to talk from Hosea. Because if you want to know about the love of God, you've got to go to Hosea. God told Hosea to marry a woman that was a prostitute. That had many lovers. That had several illegitimate children. But God tells Hosea to marry her and love her. And she just kept going her ways. Until she said she was slowed on the slave market. And you know what? Hosea bought her back. (laughs) Brought her home and treated her like a virgin. Her name was Gomer, you remember? And uh, she represented Israel. God's love is so amazing. And so, so here in Nineveh, this wretched city, God tells Jonah, go, Jonah, and, and live and preach. And Jonah says eight words like repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. There was no fancy sermon. There was no four or five points. There was no praying through or, or um, the sinner's prayer. Says, listen, repent. And that's exactly where we need to be. People are walking around Walmarts and sipping coffee at Starbucks and trying out gadgets and lows that ought to be in the church of God, bow down, blessing their name, his name. And there are people in churches sitting there in their coats and ties and their pretty dresses thinking about how good they've done when they ought to be on the face of God begging him for mercy. Because what we don't know about God is this. Sin grieves God. And we don't understand how much God rejoices at repentance. We are so um, aloof We are so good and we are so educated that we don't want to admit that we're sinners. People are ashamed to get COVID. People get COVID, they don't want to tell you they got it, they're ashamed of it. And yet the greatest virus that's ever been is sin. And we need to repent of it. I don't care how much church you've had or who you know or how much Bible you got. Jesus said to repent. That was his first message in preaching. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. So three things. I don't have time to cover the story of Jonah. But I think these verses give us enough to gist of. Number one is, God's upside down love. God loves sinners. Okay? 
You got that? He loves sinners. That's what Jesus came to do, die for sinners. Romans 5, 8 said that he loves us when we were yet sinners. Ephesians 2 says we were all children of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us. See, he loves us too much to leave us there. That's God's upside-down love. And Jonah couldn't take it. Now again, Nineveh was a sinful place. What if somebody said to you, go to Peking, China, and proclaim there, repent for the kingdom of God is hand. Would you go? Probably not. Most of us are scared to get out in public anymore anyway. Most of us would probably like to see China fall. <laughs> I tell you what, if you listen to the news media today, doesn't matter what channel you look at, it's nothing but hate somebody. But I want you to know that God may be loving those people that we've been told to hate. And so God can change people. He can turn them upside down. He can turn your life upside down. So I want you to know that God loves sinners. And he tells us to love our enemies as ourselves. Secondly, I want you to know this. God's wrath is an expression of his love. You hear me? God's wrath is an expression of his love. Now, If you think that God is all just kind of a mushy, wink at sin kind of being that loves you any old way, (laughs) you are worshiping an idol. God is not like that. Look at Psalms chapter or division seven. What you thinking? What, you going to have lunch today? Look at verse 11, chapter 7 of Psalm. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, that is the wicked, he will wet his sword, he hath bent his bow, and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordained his errors against the persecutors. So God's wrath is an expression of his love. You see, it's like this. God is so holy that he has to hate anything that is wrong. Right? Don't you? But yet God is so much love that he has to forget, forgive those that have been forgiven through the blood of Christ. Hey, I want these young people up here, one of these kids, these children, they are so precious. You know what it makes me say? I hate 
evil because I want their lives to be lived. See, God hates things that, that hurt us and curse us. Don't you? Yes, you do. You hate those things because God has given you that. So you really can't love unless you hate. Now, I'm not talking about human wrath here and human love either. I mean, it's not, God's is not a passionate, moody kind of deal. No, 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 it doesn't change. He's holy. He's just. But he loves. And he loves fully and finally. And his wrath is an expression of his love. One of the ways we see that is his chastening hand in Hebrews chapter 12. He says he chastens them that he loves. And that's what God will do to you. Jonah, you know, he says, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do what God says. Once you start running from God, you're going down. Jonah went down to Joppa. And you know what? The most dangerous person you can be with is somebody that's running from God. Because Jonah gets on a boat going to Tarshish. And no sooner did he get there than the waves and the storm comes. Not only was Jonah affected, but everybody in that ship. See, Jonah paid a ride, paid a fee to get on that ship. I want you to know there's no free rides in the devil's fairgrounds. You hear me? You start running from God and playing with the devil, you're going to have a price. And not only does it affect others, it affects nature because the storms were there. God was about to turn Jonah upside down. And he did it. He had the other people praying too. Those heathen people didn't know God. They were praying to God for it was over. <laughs> and a fish was under that boat. They didn't know what was under that boat. You don't either what's under your life. God prepared a fish. And when Jonah said, throw me overboard, the guys didn't want to do it, but they did it. And the water was calm and that fish swallowed Jonah. If you think that's some sort of fable, you let some of these liberal folks try to tell you that's just a myth. Jesus didn't think so. Jesus accounts Jonah in the New Testament because Jesus says as Jonah was in the bottom of the wet fish for three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be dead three days, three nights. So Jesus sees Jonah as literal. A real man that lived like that and God turned him upside down. And Jonah went to hell there and I'm going to say this. God used Jonah and he can use you but you know what? If you think that you're just going to follow Jesus because you want to miss hell and go to heaven, you'll never make it. We got to understand you got to go to hell. You want to follow Jesus because you've been to hell. And I'm going to tell you, for a child of God to be disobedient to God is hell on earth. Can I get a witness? You don't think that we're just mundane, we just go around and I'm not so bad. 
I'm going to tell you, everybody in this room, including this little preacher, deserves to go to hell and live there forever. I don't care who you know or how much you know or where you've been or what you do. We're sinners. But God's upside-down love has given us the grace to go on. And when God's grace gets in our guts, we'll be able to deal with life no matter what place we're in. And Jonah said, Lord, salvation is of the Lord. What a true statement. You know, there was a man by the name of James Barkley who was actually swallowed by a whale and lived. That story is recorded in a newspaper article in several other places, 1891 off the coast of Newfoundland. Some men were, were hunting sperm whales. And they speared this big sperm whale and the whale ended up upending the boat and several were lost at sea. And this one, they found him three days later. They brought this man out of this whale. He was still alive, but he had such an effect from the gastric juices, the article said, that his skin was bleached white. His faith was disfigured. He was delirious for over three or four weeks. So don't ever doubt what God can do to you. But if you lose the form and find Jesus, it's a pretty good deal, okay? Because Jonah hit, hit the road and he was looking for what God had told him to do and yet he still got to the point where God caused that great revival. It just made him plumb mad. There's a lot of Christians that feel the same way. They have such envy and prejudice that we don't understand God's love, His goodness, and His severity. So God's wrath, though, is an expression of His love. I want you to see that with me. Number three, and lastly, and really the whole point of this story is God's love can turn our world upside down. It's amazing, isn't it? How God can take our lives, our sins that we enjoyed, and make us hate them. And you know what the deal is? This is such amazing of the Christian. The sins we commit now, we still hate, yet we do it. I mean, it's upside down. The Apostle Paul, Romans 7, just describes that. Those things I want to do, I don't. Those things I do, I, I don't want to do. That's because we have an unredeemed nature about us. But God tell, teaches us that his love is upside down, and so he takes our lives and turns us upside down. He did that to Jonah. But he blessed a lot of people. Maybe God is turning your upside down life for that purpose. One thing about God, he's never going to leave us the same. But it's upside down. This thing about the grace. I'm going to tell you, if Judge Lovett Minute was, was on in the desk like he does so faithfully or, or in the courts, and some criminal, I mean justly uh, evidence and the witnesses are brought and, 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 and Judge Lovett Bennett says guilty and, and then he goes for the sentence and he gives this man or woman a sentence. You need to be just and right in doing that. And that's what the law says. 
But then just what if he turns around and he, he gets in front of his own desk and he says, you know, I'm going to take the sentence. I'm going to serve it for you. That, my friends, is upside down love. And that's what God did on Calvary's cross for you and me. You know, I remember years ago, I was kind of running from God about preaching. I never wanted to be a preacher much anyway. Still not much of one. I remember, though, I went on a uh, deep-sea fishing tour, uh, trip. Went off the coast of Tybee somewhere, met some guys. Out in the Gulf Stream. My first time. I don't know, some of you know Brother Bill Green. He's been to church with us here in Statesboro. He came. and He was one of the ones on the trip. He met me down at the house, and me and a couple guys that morning before daylight, and we sat on my tailgate, and Bill brought some homemade biscuits, and he made some homemade fig preserves. We had biscuits and fig preserves on my tailgate. So we went down there and got in that boat. We got out in that Gulf Stream, and I'm going to tell you, you're talking about sick? This boy was sick. I mean, time we got there, I was sick. Anybody else is having a big time? Not me. I was sick. If you could say sick as a dog, that's what I was. Man, if I could see a tree, I just want to see a tree. I couldn't see it. I remember, I remember getting on the bow of that boat. Somebody told me to get up there and I got a Sprite or something. I got to feel a little better. I mean, that boat was just rocking. I turned around, I was about to get ready to go fish. I looked back there and Bill was standing up, Bill Green standing up with a, he had his pocket knife out and he had reached in the, in the fig jar and he put a fig on it and he was standing there with that fig like that. And when I saw that, I lost it again. But here's my point. This is what I've come to my mind this morning telling you that. I actually, and God deals with you in a personal way that, that I don't know. Only you and God know. But I remember that day in the Gulf Stream saying to God, God, if you want me to preach, <laughs> I will do it. Now, I know that's silly. But to me, it was serious. So when God turns you upside down and he's shaking your life, you understand this, that that's how he loves you. God will upset your apple cart. But he'll fill it with the fruits of the Spirit. God's love is upside down. But it never changes. He loves us even when we're upside down. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you for loving us so hard, so graphically. If you have, us, if you have to turn us upside down or our lives upside down, Lord, to, to show us that love, then God, do it. Thing is, Lord, we don't want to run from you any longer. We come to you, Lord, and bless your holy name. Bless this congregation and bless all that rejoice in the grace of 
you, Heavenly Father. We know, Lord, this great revival was not about the preacher, it was about the Spirit of God. And we need you now, God, in this nation, in this church, in this family, in this individual. But God, we're not going to be ashamed of you. How can we? when you've done so much for us. Even the Apostle Peter, when he was convicted of his sin, history says he wanted to be crucified upside down. because He wasn't worthy to be crucified upside, right side. We feel the same way, Lord. But it's so amazing that we can think what we thought was the way it is and are. Not the way it is at all. Bless us, O oh God, for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.